Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, as we work our way slowly through um, this first amazing chapter, I want to welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. Um, uh, it has been a blessing just to listen to uh, your voices in worship. I was struck with the holiness of God once again as we see it shown through the, the lives, the hearts, the voices of each one of us pursuing to be like him in holiness. Um, we need to bow our heads and pray as we dive into um, the image of God. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity you've given to us and already to, to hear of testimony of the value of life, the blessing of life, the sanctity of life. We thank you so much for Jen and her testimony of how you're using um, the PRC in our community. And we plead with you to give us the wisdom and the strength and the resources to continue to have an impact in this community for the work of the gospel. Father, our hearts right now um, come before you, uh, just lifting up the Nixon family. We think, Lord, of just the recent passing of Roger yesterday. We thank you so much for his wife faithfully. Over many years, we thank you for Sharon even being here today, minister to her, allow us to, to gather around her and, and the rest of the family. Lord, please, as we open your word and as you, Lord, long to be heard, I, I pray that you would turn on the light of your word, that we would get a, a clearer, better, brighter glimpse of you today, and please help me in this process. May you be glorified, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. There's, there's a lot here we've talked about from, from just nothing to something, from formlessness to form. And, and we have, we've talked about the fact that God creates ex nihilo, out of nothing. And we've introduced you a little bit. It's, it's hard to kind of grasp. I've called it what? The, the glimmerings of the Trinitarian revelation. We've seen God pulling back the curtain, revealing himself. God the Father in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, plural, a plural of majesty. We've seen the ministry of the Holy Spirit hovering his breath in the second verse. We've seen the, the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, not mentioned directly here in Genesis 1, but John chapter 1 is it's clearly repeated. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. The Word was God. We, we actually now turn a bit of a corner and we have a change in something that's pretty, pretty significant. Everything changes from what was, in a sense, third person and God created and God said to what we call first person. And something big is happening here. Let us make man in our image. Three times you're going to see in the book of Genesis this, this phrase, the image of God. In Latin, it's very familiar, known as the Imago Dei. It literally means in his likeness, or it what is defined as made to resemble God. We have been created, you have been formed and fashioned so that you live your life in a way that resembles, that is like and reflects the very image of God. Thus the value of life. 
going to read both verses to you. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Here's the first poetry of all of the Bible. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I, I know it's, it's hard to imagine, and, and, and we can read it, but it's almost today we, are, we, we sit and we are what visually, and we hear things. Imagine if you were to sit, in a sense, before the biggest screen ever. Surround sound, just, just what, the word of God just pounding in thunderous volume. And you were to watch, if, if we were able to, to, to see what's happening, our eyes would be huge and our mouth would be wide open. As what, as we would see a, a light appears brilliant and blinding. And then there'd be oceans that are swelling and land rising out of it. And then you would see countless, too many to count, yellow-orange stars kind of in a, in a fiery glow. And then young new stars, they're luminous among the gas and the dust. And we could see, like think about it, mountains and rainforests and deserts and waterfalls Millions upon millions of every imaginable creature. They're crawling and they're slithering and they're galloping. They're swimming and they're flying in brilliant colors. Just think about the diversity and the sounds, the shrills. And it'd be amazing. We would be and should be speechless with all of that. And yet none of that... None of that comes close in comparison to what nothing would equal the birth, the forming and the wonder of a human being, the apex of God's creation, the greatest wonder of all. And, and I began to just research this week, like the impressiveness, the fascinating complexity of the eye. And it's just, it's too much. It's too much for us to even read. And the way that the hand moves and, and the, how the, the heart pumps. And I have pages of it. Just take, just, just quickly. And I know, I know. Consider our hearing. The sound we hear is played on a perfect little musical instrument inside our ear, the sound waves go down the auditory canal and are carried by the bones in the middle of the cochlea, which is rolled up like a tiny seashell. The outer ear operates in air. But the cochlea is filled with liquid and transferring sound waves from air to liquid is one of the most difficult problems known to science. Three tiny bones called the ossicles or just right to do the job that enables you to hear properly. Interesting, the size of these little bones does not change from the time that we were born. Like people don't even understand how we fully hear. The heart actually is a muscular pump forcing blood through the thousands of miles of blood vessels. Thousands of miles. Blood carries food and oxygen to every part of the body. 
The heart pumps an average of six liters. That's 1.5 U.S. gallons of blood every minute. And in one day, pumps enough blood to fill more than 40, 40, 50-gallon drums. Now, now, do you just pause for a moment on the complexity, the physical amazement of being created in the image of God? And now we speak of, in a sense, what? The immaterial part of our humanity. This is what sets us apart from everything else in all of creation. We have been created, and we just heard this, to rule. We've been created to what? Have dominion. It's been intended for us to have community, to commune with our maker, our creator. We can reason and choose. This is all a reflection of what being created as a reflection of God's intellect and freedom. Everything, everything about every piece of music, every painting, every novel that has been written is reflecting or being created in the image of God. And notice right out of the gate, it, it, it offers this very significant detail that we need to hear and be reminded of today. It says what? That God created us Male and female. It's, it's, almost, it's almost as if God knew that there was to be an assault against the very basic of all creation. Pastor Stewart was teaching our God-given series, God's Design for Sex and Gender. And he said this, and I quote, From the very beginning, God made mankind as male and female. Though we were both made by God, we have equal value, personhood, importance, to be co-heirs through him, men and women are made different and distinct from one another. End quote. Now, why, why is this distinction important? Like, immediately outside the announcement of the image of God, why does it even have to be acknowledged? Because something's happening in our world. The so-called fluidity that is being pushed at us. The world is attempting to press upon us, especially our younger ones. Something that what? You can, you can celebrate this idea that there's really not one or the other. Or you can transition from one to the other as, as something that is normal for us through a very powerful, powerful movement. It's not only wrong... It's dangerous. And what I want you to understand is every single time that someone says what? It's not one or the other. It could be either or you change or transition. It is an assault against what? The Imago Dei. Scripture is very clear. Galatians chapter 6. People, we have to remember this. We have to remember this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We begin to see something unique before us. It's unfurled before us in amazing ways. Three things I want to give you very quickly. The first one is that we, what? As those being created in the image of God, have attributes of personality. Something that is totally unique and totally separate. We have attributes of a personality. And I know, I know when we think about, well, a person has a personality, yeah. But, and I know where you're going, okay? One step ahead of you on this one. You're thinking, but my, 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 my little Muffy, he, he's got a personality, right? 
My, my little puppy, he, he smiles and, and he wags his tail when I come home. I, I, I want to be intentionally, I want to be careful here, I want to be respectful here. Because we think for a moment of the pleasure of having a little cute, fluffy, funny bunny or kitten or pet goat or piglet or the list is long. Parrots. All of these things have been created by God as a gift for us. They've been given to us. They are wonderful. They are helpful. They're soothing and comforting. They get a little touch creepy and smelly once in a while. Kind of destructive. Very expensive and desperately, desperately needy. But please know this. Something's happening that we begin to reverse And you know what happens? I've seen where what? Muffy's actually ruling the home as opposed to you ruling over Muffy. It's really subtle and it's really dangerous. Oh man, I am going to get emails upon emails. Just understand this. Blessing, gift, wonderful animals and pets are not created in the image of God. They do not reason as mankind does. They react to certain problems or stimuli. They smile for you because you're giving them a treat. They do not create. They, they conform to certain behavioral patterns and even elaborate patterns like, did you see the nest? And we've been amazed. Did you see the nest that they built? Yeah. But they're not building a condo on the beach facing so they can see the sunset to enjoy that. There's something different that's happening here. It does not worship. It does not love. It reproduces. To have personality uniquely, one must possess knowledge and feelings and a will. In in a sense, we're speaking of something that links man to God, totally unique, totally unique from everything else. But it does not link what? Man or God to the rest of creation. Now, there's a thousand different directions that we could go in order to prove this. That, that we are unique, created in the image of God. We could pause on our intelligence or your intelligence. We could pause on what motor skills and the emotional connection and the capability to communicate and create. Animals don't write music scores. They don't fly fighter planes or throw touchdowns. They don't design skyscrapers. I think perhaps the most glaring, visible, obvious distinction here that says we're different in a good way, in a way that we are created to reflect the image of God. I think one of the most glaring ways is when you have to roll up your window. When you're driving down the road because you smell the stench of something that has been smashed on the side of the road. Animals, what? Animals do not possess a soul. Animals die and decay. When an adorable, even adorable, beautiful little deer dies on the side of the road, there is no what? 911 that we call. Not for that little one. There's no obituary written of lasting impact. There's no funeral service. There's no celebration of life. There's no viewing. There's no 
day of mourning. There's no lowering the flags to half staff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. All dogs do not go to heaven. Whereas what? A man. A woman that is created. A child. A baby. A life is to be valued as one created with a purpose. And that purpose is to reflect the image of our great and glorious God. There's a personality and attributes of it. Secondly, there's a means of morality. Two primary elements are what? Freedom and responsibility that speak of our own morality to choose right from wrong. But we will very, very quickly see right from the onset as we dive more into this creative narrative following chapters. There is not, although there's freedom, there is not absolute freedom. There was what originally created a divine design of limitations. God's perfect design was what? There's going to be boundaries. And there's going to be parameters. Think about Adam and Eve, first man and woman. We're responsible through what? His actions, through her actions, to show their obedience to God. They are free to to eat anything. They're free to enjoy anything. Build a a, a treehouse in any tree. Eat from whatever you want. But what, what does it say in, in chapter 2, verse 17? There's one thing that you may not do. You may not eat of that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Think about this. Boundaries equal God's good design. Boundaries equal God's good design. We teach our children that with increased what responsibilities come increasing freedom, increasing opportunities. And we move them from the playpen. You stay in there to what? You get to go to the sandbox eventually. And then from the sandbox, you get the entire backyard. And then from the entire backyard, you get to go to the schoolyard. And what happens? We had a a wooden fence around our schoolyard. And I remember remember Michael Singers and Pat Pickles, the cool kids. And they would sit on the railing and they would dangle their feet over the edge. And then they would what? Oh, 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 I fell off on the opposite. And we push our boundaries. Constantly do that. Therefore, just as Adam and Eve disobeyed, they suffered consequences. So, so do what? So do our little ones suffer consequences when the boundaries are pushed. So do our big ones. Since the fall of mankind into sin, that freedom has what been further restricted. So much so that what? Big people today can suffer really, really big consequences. There's brokenness. Incarceration. There's disease. And there's death. So, so, so much so. Augustine called it what? 
passe non peccare, able not to sin. That, that was the initial design has actually become not non passe, non peccare. We're not able not to sin. Which means what? There is, there is limited freedom even in our fallen state. And in, in that, there's a moral responsibility. Think about this. You, you don't need to sin as much as you do. You realize that. And yet you do. And so do I. And when what we sin, even as a result of, well, that's kind of like our natural inclination. That's kind of like it's just a bad habit. Then, then you know what happens? Interesting, we know when we've crossed the line. We know when we have sinned. We still know this is wrong. And how is that? How is that? James Montgomery Boyce would say what? We're inadvertently confessing our likeness to God. But wait a minute. God is perfect. God cannot sin. What does that mean? That's a great question. And, and, it, and it points to the greatest answer, the greatest solution. It points to what? The only hope for us. The only hope. I so much appreciate Jen's testimony that is they're ministering to people and they're caring for them. And we need to do that. And we offer counsel. And we wrap our arms around. And what is it that what? First and foremost, the goal is to introduce them to the one who rescues and redeems. It points to our only hope of the gospel. We actually describe a believer. That's one person who put their, their, their faith, their whole faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We describe them being sanctified, being set apart to holiness as what? What does scripture say? As being renewed in knowledge of the image of his creator. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. When we are being set apart towards holiness, it's renewing what the dirt on the mirror that we can't see what the image looks like any longer. It removes that. It actually describes what? In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, us being conformed to the image, to the likeness of his son. Which means what? What does this look like when we think about like real life, real time, moral decisions? Let's go back for a moment. When an animal, when a dog attacks a person repeatedly, what do you do with that? Yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. You, you put it down. But when, when one who has been created in the image of God has attacked, has hurt, has robbed has sinned against a person. What, what do we do with them? We bring them into what? A court that reveals to them and proves to them that there is law and that you broke the law. You went beyond the boundary, the parameter that was established. And guess what? You will suffer consequences. What are those consequences for? Our goal, our goal is and should be to rehabilitate to educate, to teach them, to show them that what you, you cannot do that. You, you don't live making those types of moral decisions. Instead, what do we do? We seek to restore them to live a proper and a profitable life that contributes to a society, not damages a society. 
That's what we do. Why? So that we show them what it looks like to live in the image of God. Now notice as well, notice as well, and this is actually interesting, one of the three times in all of Genesis that the same phrase is mentioned. There's an exception to the rule here. You realize that? Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And notice what it says, for God made man in his own image. There's one thing, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Scripture is very, very clear on that. That we're actually protecting the image of God to protect. That's why we speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Do you understand why I get like maybe just a little excited about the work of the gospel? Because that is the only answer. That is the only solution. The one who created us formed you, Pastor Aaron read, knit us together in our mother's womb, loves us enough to not leave us in that mess, but came to redeem us and to rescue us, to save us from our brokenness, from our destruction. You think, you think that's cause and reason to praise? Like, we, we love, we love, but, but rarely would one ever love to that extent. I'll, I'll offer you my own son to die in a place that we deserve to die. Not only do we see the attributes of personality in the image of God, the means of morality, but thirdly and finally, we see the capacity of spirituality. I think perhaps it's arguably the greatest blessing of being created in the Imago Dei is the fact that we were made for communion, to commune with. Our purpose is to be in relationship with God, who is himself, as we heard, is what? Spirit. John chapter 4 and verse 24. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Yet it was man's spirit, that part of us that had communion with God, that died when we ate the fruit. Revealed in the very fact, what, what, what did Adam do? What did Eve do? That they ran from God. That they hid from God. I don't want to be near that. And this is what excites me. This is the glory of the gospel that is revealed. And I love this. Hold on to this. When God, and we haven't even what made it out of the, 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 the third chapter. When God comes looking for Adam. Do you think that God did not know where Adam was? He just made him out of a dirt pile and breathed the breath of life into him. And what? After sin, they hide themselves. And God says this, Adam, where are you? You realize that at this very moment, if you've not acknowledged the fact that you are a broken sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize this? That God is looking for you. Where, where are you? You've been running and you've been trying to hide. And I am offering the very best. We'll see it in a moment. The pouring out of blood and the anguish and the suffering and the humiliation. And what do you do? You go run and hide your own life. People, 
The day will come and that clock does not stop that you're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to say, I offered you my word. I, you heard it this morning. I offered you my own son. I showed you with people. They're not perfect, but they're trying to love you and speak truth into your life. What have you done with that? God is seeking to renew what? Our spirit. Renew our soul and eventually, and praise God. And I think just this morning, as, as Roger Nixon woke up in heaven with a renewed and restored soul. His, his body will be resurrected and will once again be reunited. But that's, the hope. that's what God does for us. The glory of the gospel is revealed in the fact that God is looking. And now what happens? It says that as God is holy, we are to be holy. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. That's what Scripture tells us repeatedly. 1 Peter chapter 1, Exodus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 19, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. As God is holy, you are to pursue holiness. We're to celebrate what God celebrates. What is it that God celebrates? Micah chapter 6, he has shown you, O person, what is good. What is that? Do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly before the Lord. And we are to what? Despise what God despises. And we are told very, very clearly throughout Scripture, what is it? Six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination. Here it is. Haughty. Notice that pride starts right here. It actually says, God hates this. This is an abomination to him. A lying tongue. Yeah, you're just trying to like weave and, and dodge, and you don't want to let people really know what's going on. You realize what it says in the word of Scripture? A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run to evil, false witness, one who sows discord. We, we, as God goes looking for us, we are to respond in faith, accepting the gift that he's giving and living in light. Now, now why, why would we spend time? Like, why is this truth important and needed today? Tragically, we know what? When man and woman disregarded God, disobeyed God and fell into sin. They wanted for themselves to decide what the boundary line was. What is good and what is evil. And the image of God at that very moment was defaced. Yet, it was not entirely lost. When one trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when one is reborn, we use this term, born again, a new nature, the old man is dead. Then, then there is enough there through the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's enough. What do we do with that? Work to sustain the sanctity of human life. Just as Jen said. And I am so thankful for the testimony that she gave of your sacrifice. And your continued prayers. And what I love is that Big Woods is just one, it's just one drop in a bucket. That other churches draw us together to speak up, to shout out, to care for 
the unborn. And also, and I'm so thankful for the new ministry that what in brokenness and in desperation people chose to end the life of a baby. Do we abandon them and, and point fingers at them? No. We go looking for them just as God went looking for us. And we would offer ourselves to journey in the midst of that. You understand that's what it looks like to live in lights? The image of God. We are to respect God and bless him by our words. And we are to never ever curse anyone that has been made in the likeness of God. And people are pointing fingers all over the place every day. But by the grace of God, there go with I. But there's dangerous messages out there. Yes, we speak truth. But we don't curse them. They've been created in the image of God. Satan has blinded them. We need to love them and go looking for them and graciously draw them. The whole of human ethics is grounded in the Imago Dei. What else are we supposed to do? How about us, like little churchy people, sitting here all dressed up and cute on a Sunday morning? What, what, what do we do? We strive to have relationships in our own homes and families that reflect the image of God every day. Where does that begin? I believe the shepherd of a home is the father. Husbands are to love your wife as Christ loved the church sacrifice for her. You're going to stand accountable before the Lord and the Lord's going to say, did you shepherd her soul the way that you were supposed to? No, but I bought her a lot of shoes. No, 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 that's, that's second. Wives, have you lived in submission to your husband as to the Lord? Yeah, but I don't like that. Like That doesn't sell well today receive that with a wonderful blessing and a, and, a, and a sigh of relief. You get to be watched out for and protected. You realize that he's going to give accounts for shepherding you. Children, what does it say? And we see this all the way through Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey. Yeah, but my dad's like totally uncool. I don't care. You obey him. You obey your mother the first time that she speaks. She doesn't speak three times. I'm going to count one, two. It's like you're talking to Muffy. Moms, offer a comforting love to your kids. They are in a loud and a vile world. And they need to come home and they need to know that they are, they are comforted and surrounded. Not a mom who's frazzled at the end of her rope. Sit down, kid. No, no, that's not it. And dads, we need to discipline out of love and instruct them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We what? We pound family worship. Well, that sounds cozy. No, no, we have to direct people. And we have to admit as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers that we fail too. And we offer what? Forgiveness. But the fact that we've not lived, loved. Fourthly and finally, we seek to have our workplace, wherever it is that you go every day. Well, I sit at my laptop at home. Dangerous. Seek to have the relationships that you're in, whatever setting 
the office environment, the, the classroom that you go to, to reflect the justice of God, the fairness and the mercy of God that is found as we live in the image of our Heavenly Father. Though sin has greatly defaced the image of God, thankfully, and I say this with the, the greatest of hope that I could possibly muster. By the grace of God in Christ, that image can be renewed. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I was struck with this verse just, just this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this. Just listen, listen. Assuming that you have heard about him. You've been here for a while. And you're like, yeah, I know. Just, just assuming that you have heard about him. And we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I have nothing to say other than the gospel of Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit. And it begins with our minds. Listen to this. And to put on the new self. And I love this. Create it after the likeness of God. You begin to think like God thinks. In true righteousness and holiness. Yeah, but it's a, it's a world that's loud out there. And there's like a thousand things coming at us. And like, I'm really important. And I, I have a lot of demands. And so it's easy for me to forget. God was one step ahead of you. He says, let me give you something that you will never forget. Because like, we forget a lot. This is so important. This actually defines who we are as a local church. We're not a local church if we don't do this regularly. And so we set time aside as what? Something that we, and you know, when you touch it, when you smell it, you taste it, you remember those things. Exactly what Jesus Christ taught his disciples when he was sitting with them in the upper room. The very night in which he was betrayed, it was, it was going to get really ugly. But after the ugliness, it was going to be amazingly beautiful. So beautiful. Jesus says, I want you to regularly do this. I want you to regularly remember me. So what is that? It's, it's the communion table. And, and Jesus, what? He took bread just like this. This is a good one this week. This is a good one. It looked just like this. And, and he, he passed it, and he broke it, and, and he said, I want you to eat this. And, and as you eat this, I want you to, to remember that this is a picture of my body, okay? This is not transubstantiation. It doesn't become, no, it's just a picture. It's bread. And every time you eat this bread, and you see it torn and broken, you think about the fact that my body was broken for you. He came looking for you. And after that, it says that he took the, the cup and he, he poured it out. Poured out some wine. And he passed it around. And they all, they all took a sip. And when they sipped it, they, they, they taste it. And when you taste it, you remember. And so that, that wine is a picture of my blood that's going to be poured out for you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And we know, thankfully, just as God went looking for Adam and Eve, who were defacing the image of God, Jesus Christ is looking for you. He is what? Offering himself for the sinful, stupid decisions that we have made.
And as a church, we remember this and we celebrate this and we sing about this. And we need to do that today. I'm going to invite the elders and, and deacons are going to come for you just so that you know a little bit as far as how it goes. The guys want to serve you, but we're going to ask that we just quiet our hearts for a minute, too. And, and in the quietness of our hearts, we thank the Lord in prayer for how he has loved us and what he's done for us. And after that, I would invite you, you can come up, there's tables all over, just find one close to you. If you are a believer, you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, please, this is for you. But could I respectfully ask, if you are here today and you're not a believer, you're like, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, just out of respect, I would ask you, don't come up and eat this bread and drink this cup because it would be meaningless for you. I'm not trying to be rude. I want to be truthful. But I, I do know this. That today, this very moment, you, right now, sitting in your seat, you can hear the fact that God says, where is that one? Where are they? I want them to come. And I'm going to come to them. That you can make that decision today in, in your seat, in your heart. Lord, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And there's only one that died, paid the price for our sins on the cross. And after he was buried, he rose again. And just like Jesus lived again, we can live born again. Saved. Perfect? No. But we can live in full obedience to the word of God. I, I would, nothing would delight my heart more than that today someone would make that decision. Take a few moments in quietness. Just thank the Lord for his gift to us. We'll come up and, and we'll take the, the cup and the bread. We'll return to our seats. I'll ask the Lord's blessing on it and then we will take it together as family.
you pray with me? Father, um, it has been it has been a, a long morning, but our, our hearts are f- are full out of gratitude for you and what you have done for us, and we thank you for this reminder of the cup and the the bread that are that are symbols and pictures of the body and the blood of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, that it's through the blood and our faith in the sufficiency of Christ's atoning work on the cross that we place our faith. And Lord, we use this time as a reminder. And Lord, not, not only to renew in our hearts and our, in our memories, but to reignite. Just burn within us. Lord, give us a passion for those who are running and, and trying to hide. And, and God, I would pray we would first be grateful for your grace in our life and we would show that to others bless this and lord please we ask you give us the strength to be a faithful body of believers for your glory we ask this in jesus name amen paul is writing to the church at corinth in first corinthians chapter 11 he says that the lord jesus on the very night in which he was betrayed took bread you've just done that and we had given thanks. We just prayed and we did that. He, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you, for you. Do this, eat this, and remember me. He says exactly the same way, in the same manner. He took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and every time as often as you eat this bread every time you drink this cup we're proclaiming the Lord's death what he did on the cross until he comes again Matt come and close us